whoa, 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 what's up, Woke Wasted? That's me as a DJ. I was scratching the record in. <laughs> what's up? What's up, Beanie Neal? We got Beanie whoa, Neal. Whoa, 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 what's up? Damn, you're a DJ too? You didn't tell me that. Wicka, wicka, wah. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're great at this. <laughs> Damn, I have to drop my career in medicine and go risk it all to be a DJ in SF. We're changing from our careers to just being the woke bro DJs. Yeah, dude. I We're think I'm going to finish my tattoo sleeve and then I'll basically just like wear cut off bro shirts and, uh, and like really, really loose beanies with long hair. <laughs> I'll, put, I'll grab one of like the long beanies that kind of just hangs off like a condom and I'll wear my shorts and <laughs> that's exactly, go. that's exactly where it's like, you see like the dudes and they, they basically have the beanie half on and they're just like scratching a record. And once again, their headphones are half on. They're just holding one headphone up to their ear. That's, that's our new life path, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Come that's, catch Zach and I DJ. That's it, man. If you're trying to buy Molly, you know where to fucking find us because we, <laughs> we need to support another way to pay our rent. We're lifting consciousness in a whole other way now. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's acapella DJing. <laughs> Nothing but mouth trumpets. <laughs> Nothing but mouth trumpets. <laughs> oh, God. They're like, play something else. We're like, we don't know anything else. What we got? Oh, so copyright infringement. <laughs> All right. Channeling. So what's up, brother? <laughs> so we were talking a little bit before that we hopped on today. Um, we want to get into a topic regarding focus and willpower and how that is necessary for the elevation of consciousness. But I wanted to just give Neil a second to talk about like some of the this challenge that he's doing right now and how kind of independently we came to the same conclusion and he's been building up his focus and his willpower. Yeah. So this challenge, it came to me, honestly, the same way I came to the records, <laughs> like in the middle of the night and somehow it just popped up and like, Oh, I need to do this. And I didn't know anything about it. I just knew the challenge existed and I'd seen people randomly talk about it on social media and stuff here and there. Mm-hmm. So this challenge is called 75 hard. And it's basically all about mental discipline. And that's what the challenge says too, when they go into it. Um, it's not about the physical stuff. It's about the mental discipline here. Mm-hmm. And so there's a few different layers of it, but it's all around the physical for the most part. So there's a nutrition aspect. There's a high, like water hydration aspect. There is, you read 10 pages of nonfiction once a day. You do two 45-minute workouts a day. And I've added a few other things to that as well for myself uh, that I wasn't expecting to do. I thought I was just going to commit to this. But yeah, you're doing 75 yeah. hard supreme or like 75, 75 hard supreme. Yeah. Yep. Extra days of no release and extra days of no caffeine. So damn. That's, that's, it's, a, that's a hard month. It's like, a lot. <laughs> two and a half months, yeah. It's energetic cultivation. The interesting thing too, <clears throat> the nutrition aspect, I wasn't going into it as like in a diet or health, as a hard like diet or health sort of thing. I was like, I'm going to make sure I have, I'm getting back into having consistent protein. So I'm making sure mm-hmm. I'm having a protein shake and then I'm just not having any excess sugar outside of the things that I cook with on a daily basis. That was yeah. my that was the things I was committed to. And as I've gone through this month, officially on day five, I've really been in it for about a week and a half now. I just mm-hmm. missed one of the counts for like a week <laughs> mm-hmm. and had to reset it over and over and over. Uh, so I'm officially on day five, but it's become more and more disciplined in my, I've been craving 
adding more and more to it. So we'll see how it goes. But like the adding nutrition more more piece, sugar to it, or adding more to your nutrition, adding more and more um, pieces to the challenge. So like with the nutrition piece, I'm like, okay, it, it actually is like I'm I'm thinking about what I want to have today, and my body's like, nope, 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 we're not doing that. Like we are zoning in, mm. and I am zoning in and making it more and more and more restrictive, and it's just what I'm craving at this point. Yeah. I mean, it feels like, uh, you know, for a lot of us, there are things that our body and that like uh, intuitively we know we want would be it like nutrition or mm-hmm. a change in life course, or, you know, uh, uh, to communicate something in one of our relationships or whatever. And oftentimes like we kind of subconscious, maybe not fully unconsciously, but in some ways unconsciously repress things or, or suppress them. And when we finally get the motivation or the reason to like actually make the change, that's when like we kind of catch up with the intuition that's been trying to come through the whole time where your body's like, yeah, man, I've been wanting to eat something similar to this for like a few months. And now that you like have a reason to, to commit to this, like, let me, like, let me share my ideas with you. And you're like, all right, cool. All right. We're going to do it. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause it's, and it, that's just what's happening. And it's, I think it's high for me personally, it ties into so much more. Um, I think I had shared this with you, Zach, where like this year through my birth chart is a year of a lot of physical body healing and a lot of past mm-hmm. life healing stuff that I, I kind of just took in the back of my mind and moved on with. But as I've moved through this year so far, these different things that I've understood about what's going to happen this year have just begun to naturally unfold themselves. Yeah. So it's been really cool. And, you know, it ties in with a lot of the physical body work I've been doing as well. Are you that I've told you about all the chiropractic work, all the commitments to yoga and ability and rebuilding my body. And it's mm-hmm. all just kind of moving in a line flow. Yeah, I know there's in reality, there's no actual separation between these two things, but I wonder how much of that is like purely soul orchestrated type of stuff or, and how much of that is like, okay, I know that this year is supposed to be about kind of getting my body right. And because you know that your subconscious is kind of like handling it for you. And so like maybe your eyes, like when you, when you're like looking around and you're like drifting over a web page or like you're driving around, your eyes happen to like catch a sign like, Oh, this chiropractor. Oh, maybe I should look for a chiropractor or like you're walking and like you feel a little twinge in your knee and you're like, you tune into it a little bit more Then just kind of naturally your subconscious is like, well, let me, start to solve the problem for you and then point you in the right direction. Yeah. It's, it's felt more subconscious soul divine than it has been mentally orchestrated for myself. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't realize that whole piece about this being what happens this year until someone pointed it out a couple of days ago. Uh, oh, really? I actually totally just not even remembered or realized that was a thing, but it's, been piece by piece, step by step, right? Like you've, you've kind of seen me through this year. Like first it was really getting back into movie stuff. And then it was kind of getting back into yoga. And then it was really, I came up to visit you and realized I needed to work on my chest and really open it up a bit more. And then right. I came home and, Oh, I want to do chiropractic. Okay. And then all of a sudden I'm in 75 hard and I'm like, all right, let's do it more, 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 more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. From movement practice and food and all that kind of stuff. Also you're like, see me this year. And I thought you were talking about last year. It's already April, dude. Holy shit. Right? We're living Isn't in a that vortex crazy? right now. This is <laughs> unreal. We're already a third of the way through 2021. This is wild. It makes, it's like, man, that is wild. 
Yeah. <laughs> what have I done in this year so far? I mean, I've done plenty, but like, it feels like it's February. I've basically just been studying for boards this whole goddamn time. Basically. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is unreal. But no, this whole thing, this whole thing really leads to a crescendo here, which is what we wanted to get into today. And it's basically talking about how focus and willpower are necessary for the elevation of consciousness. Because what I see with you right now is you're developing, you're doing all of these things that are, um, you're adding so much in that like realistically to do all of them all year, for example, would be uh, like unsustainable to like change all of those things at once and then like right. try and stick to them all. But to do it for 75 days, like you can commit to something for 75 days. Um, and I'm going to explain this a little bit more later as I kind of get into the intuition that I had and kind of how I wanted to explain it. But you're, it's almost like you're building up energy to kind of break through a ceiling and get to a new level. Yeah, I agree. And it's really interesting. You mentioned something right there, and this is one of the thoughts I've been having. And I think this is where it's just about timing. Um, I usually am not one for radical, complete overhaul. Mm -hmm. I say commit to one thing and commit to that and get it done and get it well and build off of that, let it snowball. So for me to be going in and just doing all these things at once um, is... (laughs) It's exactly what I needed, actually, is where I'm going to say, um, mm-hmm. because I've done that so many times, right? I've done the one thing at once, and I've done 30 days no release. I've done 50 days no release. I've done all these different challenges. I've done you know months of daily 30-minute crown meditation, whatever. And now, like kind of what you're saying, just you're, you're building this up mm-hmm. to break through the ceiling. I've done that so many times, or okay, I'm on to the next step of this. And now that's this kind of giant overhaul to go through that similar process of building it up to the crescendo and breaking through that ceiling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there's something, there's something to be said for really challenging yourself. And there's something to be said for the motivation that comes from being in the suck. Like, uh, I mean, I, I used to, I used to get this a lot with wrestling, but like the worse things sucked, the more motivated I was like when I was Mm -hmm. out there, you know, I had been up since whatever, like 6am, and I'm, I'm out there at like 11 PM. I've probably eaten like 800 calories that day. I'm, I have a meet coming up and I need to cut like another five pounds before tomorrow. And so I can't really drink water and I can't really eat more food. And I've already been to practice that day. And you know, I probably burn like 2000 calories in practice. And I'm just out there right. like sweating it out, trying to get ready for the next day and being like, nobody can do this for me. Like nobody, nobody gives a shit if I complain Cause I'm doing this to myself. So mm-hmm. like, it's just me out here. And the beautiful part, I'm, I'm thinking back to like high school football and CrossFit days and everything as well too. And the stuff that I always remember are those moments. It's the training mm-hmm. days where I, you know, had to really work and just in a moment, snap light switches and you're just loving it. You're in, yeah. in that dog moment <laughs> and just working. Mm-hmm. Like people always call me crazy when I was really into MMA and to stand up, I was training hard. And it was, I remember this being like dead heat of summer, 110 degrees. And I'm going Mm -hmm. out for runs before I go to train. And everyone's like, dude, what the heck? I'm like, dude, I love this. I love being in that heat, just sweating. You like like running and it just feels good. Yeah. Yeah. There's something that happens when you start to embrace. I mean, we've talked about this in like spiritual ways on the podcast before, but like when you start to embrace that something's going to fucking suck, it feels good. Like there's something you like free yourself from being like, okay, this is going to be hard, but like, I'm going to get through it. And you're just like, 
fuck this, bring it. The harder it is, the better. Like I'm going to thrive off of it. I'm going to turn mm-hmm. this thing that fucking sucks and I'm going to make it my fuel. I'm going to make it my motivation. And there's something about that that really just like, I don't know. It's just, it's you tapping into a different, like more savage part of you. Which we all hold to. And I think that's mm-hmm. where we're going with this episode. I think you were, you wanted to take it, right? Because we... Not at all where I wanted to take it. Not at, all. Okay. <laughs> Not at all. But Well, in, in, in the lesser words, but about our path being an embrace of that and part of the physical mm-hmm. and part of that humanistic side, which is like we go, it's part of what we're talking about in the chakra episode. Like we go up and up and up mm-hmm. and then there's an integration embodiment that requires us to go down. And I'm seeing this strongly for myself, at least right now, where like mm-hmm. last year I went up and up and up and up so much. And I knew there was a coming back in and integration back in a body. And now I'm transitioning it into part of the, I'm transitioning into a lot of the things that you and I know about my path that we really haven't mm-hmm. talked about. Right. Like I'm, like I told you, I'm reading this book about this guy who does 50 each iron men in 50 days like that's a mm-hmm. lot of work yeah it's insane. and i know there's a level of my path at some point where it's this it's really pushing the will of man and humanity and seeing how far we can really go and push the edge and for me right now it's just about the mental cultivation now like i my intentions on myself are about reworking my thought processes and even my emotional processes, like we've talked about embracing the fear and embracing these pieces, but the messages that I've been channeling recently have actually been the opposite to acknowledge them, remove the label, and then allow that fear to simply just become energy and let it fill you up. Exactly. Let that become fuel for you, life force for you. And that's what I'm learning to do for myself right now. Yeah, it's transmutation. I mean, it's not, it's not even really that so much as it is just not even transmutation so much as it's just, you know, all things are just on some level energy, right? Like mm-hmm. all things, I mean, you could, we've talked about this in, in other words, like all things are God, all things are spirit, right. like all things are of the same thing. It, it In some ways, the labels that we give them, you know, make them things that we reject, right? Like, I mean, ca- calling something fear is useful because like, you know, obviously you do want to, you do want to elevate, you do want to like, grow your consciousness and do these different things, but we can get hooked on calling something like fear-based or negative or whatever. And when we give it the label, we like push it away and reject it. Um, And it's kind of about coming to that place where you see something like that scares you, or you see something that whatever that worries you, that makes you nervous. And like you're saying, removing the label from it and just experiencing it and just being like, okay, like I'm just going to let this pass through me. Um, and that's actually like, this is a pretty good transition. This is kind of how I got into this, hey, how this, this intuition started for me. I was mm-hmm. meditating and I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but basically <clears throat> I was meditating. I got this drop, you know, the idea that we talked about this in the physics episode, like everything that you see as solid is really not solid. Like all atoms are like 99.999% empty space with a few electrons that actually exist as probabilities in the quantum field that collapse into reality when they need to interact with physical matter and these nuclei that are incredibly dense and small, almost like black holes on like a very microcosmic level. And density, like physical form, physical solid things are just these atoms or these energies that are vibrating slow enough to be interacting very close to each other. And as we grow, as we age, as we 
develop our identity the first or few times around, it's almost like you're making jello or you're pouring concrete. Like let's, let's take pouring concrete, for example. Like if you're pouring concrete into mm-hmm. a hole and you drop like a shoe into it and the concrete solidifies, there's going to be a shoe inside of this block of concrete. And there might even be cracks that go through the concrete because it's not meant to like bind and hold the shoe together. And this is in part what happens when we're developing our identity and we get these, these core wounds or these programs that aren't that our soul is utilizing on on purpose, but they're not like in truth to the soul. Right. Yeah. So essentially we exist, you know, we, we solidify or coagulate our identity and we basically hold these emotions, these programs, these belief systems inside of our physical body. Right. And we can experience this if like you're somebody who consciously thinks one thing we'll take um, social anxiety, for an example, this is something I used to struggle with a lot. So I would go out, into whatever, go to a party or I'd go out into public or whatever. And I had this internal pressure in me that I needed to be a certain way or do a certain thing. Um, And I would have the conscious awareness, like everything's fine, you know, like whatever it might be, like everything is fine. But my physical body would have a reaction to like these scenarios. And no matter how consciously I wanted to override it, the physical reality was that there was pain and shit trapped inside of there. So as you elevate in vibration, you know, your consciousness in reality or all consciousness holds matter together because otherwise we would just be like this, you know, the universe would just be a sea of molecules, right? There would be tons of entropy, no organization, and just like molecules bouncing around and flying it's everywhere. Light everywhere. It would just be light everywhere, yeah. right? It is the, the force of consciousness, your soul, Neil's soul, the oversoul spirit in general that holds everything together into into a form right so the way you think about it is like the soul comes into the body and keeps the body held together mm-hmm. as an organized structure with a with a gastrointestinal tract and a heart and a brain that you know that works as like a switchboard or a masterboard for the for the soul and in some ways the density of the body is dictated by the level of consciousness or the vibration of the consciousness that's within it. So as we elevate and we lift in vibration, our physical body becomes less dense as the consciousness becomes less dense. And as that happens, you can almost imagine like those cracks in the concrete that have like bubbles in them or like a shoe or Mm -hmm. whatever, a stapler, if you're an office (laughs) fan, like the cracks start to open more and come apart more because the concrete is getting less dense and like those air bubbles can escape or you can pull the shoe out or the fucking stapler out if you need to like get some papers all organized, you know, whatever it might be. But these emotions will start to, and these belief systems that are holding you back and limiting you will start to come up to the surface and nothing can be released unless you see it consciously. Like your, your soul has to make the executive decision. I don't need this anymore. Let me accept that I have it and allow it to, to become energy like Neil is saying and be transmuted into either a neutral or a positive within my system. Um, so that's kind of like how this whole thing started is just this idea that like we elevate, we elevate and we change in density and we can actually release some of these things, mm-hmm. which is in some ways what you're talking about, kind of overcoming these, these limiting beliefs that we hold about what we're capable of. So with that awareness, where did that take you? Or maybe the question I'm asking is what's the integration of that awareness for people? 
Well, I mean, there's actually, there's, there's a lot more that I probably want to go into with this and then we'll see if we can circle it back around and make it like a practical thing. Let's do it. So I've been, it it kind of, Neil has been exploring focus and willpower in the, the context of, um, in the context of the physical with, with working out, with getting his body right, with eating, um, with eating things that are, you know, that are probably more aligned to his body and things like, like that. I've done something similar with my, with my diet as well, but I've been f- having to study a lot for my board examination. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the medical field, basically, if you're a medical student, your first two years of medical school are just like hard didactics. Like every week of medical school is basically like a textbook worth of material. You go through like in one week of medical school, you basically go through what you would go through in a semester of college. And at the end of your two years of your first years of medical school, you have to take a board examination that is a cumulative two-year examination. So basically my days have been consisting of, um, you know, wake up at 9 a.m. and study until 12 p.m. with like a, like a couple hours of break in there. And I've had to zoom my focus in so that every moment I'm sitting there and I'm studying, it's engaged because there's no time to not be engaged, really. There's no energy to not be engaged. And as I was meditating the other night, I was doing my 30 minute meditation. My guides were giving me the, my guides were downloading information to me about how focus and willpower are necessary for the elevation of consciousness. You know, we think about it, consciousness, like you can't be unconscious and become more conscious. Like it's, it's the, you you, you see (laughs) the paradox, right? So part of this is learning how to develop our willpower. And one of these things is what they wanted me to share was how meditation plays into the development of focus and willpower. So I'm so excited right now. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm excited to sit here and listen. To I'm like, fired up. <laughs> <laughs> so, I spent really quick yesterday. There, there's a sports, there's a chant in sports. It's, mm-hmm. I believe that just, we will win. I believe that we will win. I was walking my dog yesterday and it just yeah. popped up in my mind. And I just started saying that to myself for probably five minutes, <laughs> beating my, and I went through like different shocks. I was like, just beating my chest, beating my solar plexus, beating my sacral saying that. <laughs> Dude, you're turning into Tony Robbins. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You're just out here fucking chanting the whole time. Hey, if I turn into a seven foot personal development guru, I'll accept that. If you turn into if you turn into seven feet, you need to let me know what the fuck happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you some of my HGH, dude. It's okay. <laughs> oh, perfect. Good. Yeah, yeah, I can I can grow a giant head. Wonderful. For anybody out there who's trying to get taller with HGH, if you're an adult, it's not gonna work. <laughs> just just so you guys know, you're just gonna get a huge head and hands. Not if you meditate and set your intentions and then use it. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. If you set if you, you meditate and it. you and you open up your epiphyseal plates in your in your bones, yeah. you're gonna be good to and go. You gotta do it on full moons only though. So that's right. That's you how do. you get the height maximum. But be careful because you might turn into a fucking werewolf. <laughs> One or the other, but they're both really cool. <laughs> yeah, you better have a you better have a fucking good waxing salon near your house. If that's you get, no, you can get a werewolf old van or vampire one or the other you have to choose mm, what the, would you the be? typical oh werewolf all day werewolf mm. all day baby yeah interesting it depends on how painful the transformation is I'd, I'd just way rather run around in the woods than go have to be pasty and be dependent on putting my teeth into necks okay this got weird <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, I'm already, I'm already pasty and I like biting people. So it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of more towards the vampire thing. I'd I mean, love to. Wolfie's bite too. So Ooh. Ow. Yeah. Ow. Ooh. <laughs> you want animal, Neil. Damn. Damn. Oh, primal. See what we're talking about. We're getting all primal with you and the beard. 
Me and the beard is thing is I'm, I'm a full supporter of you and beard, by the way. It looks good. Yeah. So if I was gonna put some Rogaine on the sides of the mustache, I'll be ready to go with the <laughs> with the stamp facial hair. HGH and Rogaine. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that should be the new podcast. HGH and Rogaine podcast. Welcome to HGH. It's the middle aged man. It's the middle aged man podcast. Midlife crisis. <laughs> Welcome to midlife crisis. Zach and Neil. HGH, HGH Rogaine, Rogaine and motorcycles. <laughs> Sponsored by Cialis. <laughs> And Joe Rogan. And Joe Rogan. <laughs> Sponsored by Alpha Brain. All right. So, oh, all right. Let's get back on track. <laughs> so, to get this back on track into meditation, it's look at us. We're not being focused. <laughs> like three of the biggest people in the field. <laughs> Shout out. Put us on your podcast. Um, so, to get, to get things back on track, we were talking about meditation. All right. So after a brief break, a uh, commercial break brought to you by Cialis, we had to, we had to, we had to tee out because we were laughing too hard to get our shit together. So now that we have our shit together and it's all in duffel bags and sealed up and ready to go and be slanked like crack cocaine, uh, I'm ready to talk about how meditation develops focus and willpower. So we think about being at the beginning stages of meditation, like the first time that we meditate or the first like 20 times that we meditate or whatever it might be, you know, it's different for everybody. But in a lot of ways, it's all we can do to just sit there and focus for like five minutes or 10 minutes, like on our breathing or on a chakra or on like the sounds around us or whatever it might be. And we just fidget and we're agitated. And, you know, we heard from everybody that meditation is supposed to be this thing where, you know, we, we can like set our mind down for a little while and we can like elevate above the mind and relax and like get better at work and get into a better flow and all these different things. I'm like, this is bullshit. Like I'm just sitting here trying really hard to focus on my breathing. And eventually we develop the focus. Eventually we learn how to watch the thoughts and allow the negative ones to kind of pass through the, you know, the more agitating ones to pass through and to sit more still, to breathe more deeply and to, to let go. And we get to points where we utilize our focus in meditation at the very beginning. We utilize our focus in meditation to get into a different state of consciousness. And you could measure this with brainwaves. You could say you're going from like a beta brainwave to an alpha brainwave. It's a little bit slower and more coherent. And as we get to that place, you know, oftentimes when we're meditating and we kind of break through to a new like strata of our consciousness, we start to space out a little bit and we start to drift off. And then we realize that we've drifted off. Like we're in a different state. We feel more relaxed. We feel more expansive. And then we realize that we've drifted off and we focus back on our, on our anchor for whatever our meditation is, be it your breath, be it noticing the thoughts and, you know, consciously releasing them, be it focusing on a chakra, like we've talked about. And when you do that, you start to like, you're at this higher level, but you start to put your, bring your awareness back together and pull it into a, into a, a single point of consciousness and then you break up through the next level of consciousness. So what's happening essentially is that as we're elevating <clears throat> consciousness in these meditations, you know, for the for this period of time as we're meditating, our consciousness it's already non-local anyway, but it's starting to elevate up out of the body more and more. And as it elevates out of the body, it's not being in some ways contained by a physical form, right? So it's not as it's not as naturally condensed, right? Because your body in many ways kind of anchors your consciousness without you having to do any of the work to do that, right? It just holds it in one spot for you. But as you elevate up out of your body with your consciousness, 
your consciousness is huge. Your soul is huge. And it starts to become more diffuse and more spread out. So it becomes harder to focus the higher you get in consciousness. And part of the work is that you have to be able to take that diffuse thing and create a container for it and bring it all back together and use your willpower to create a form for it rather than using your physical body to create a form for it. And the condensation of all this energy is what allows you to elevate to the next strata. And your guides and your soul and your angels and all these different things, they're not going to let you go to these higher levels of consciousness until you have learned how to master your focus and your attention and how to master your energy at each different level, right? So I'm not going to sit down, cross my legs and close my eyes and take five deep breaths and be so far out there that like, I'm completely out of my body and I'm getting like basically bounced around on the rapids of energy of these large conscious beings that are so much greater than me that to them, I'm basically like a gnat that's landed on the back of their hand, right? Like in there's nothing that my consciousness can do to exist there. And I just get batted around and hopefully I'll make my way back into my body, right? They're not going to do that to me. I have to earn my way up into these different strata. And not only that, but as I elevate more and more and more, I actually do, you actually get more light. Um, and what I mean by this is like light as energy, you actually like develop more power and more energy so that you can, hold your own and exist at these higher strata of consciousness. And so meditation in many ways is the development. It's the mastery of your consciousness as it exists in physical form. There's, there's something to be said for the development of consciousness through the, the 3d physical reality. Cause when you're up in the, the, in the very higher planes where your soul lives and exists and exists in a field of knowledge and wisdom, it's like, well, I already know how to do that. So developing yourself by going into these lower densities and then learning how to do it from that vantage point is, is a greater catalyst for the soul's growth. There's so many things that came up, but I see it like we're talking about development of that energetic capacity, right? So you mm -hmm. have to be able to hold this certain level of energy before you can progress to the next. And I just saw this like basically like a ship going toward the sun and it has to be so sturdy and built out to a certain capacity for it to be able to survive that or else it's just going to get roasted and melt apart. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what's going on here. Like you have to be able to develop your energetic capacities to, to a certain level before you can actually energetically handle that next level. Absolutely. And part of this, you know, I have an I've told Neil about this experience, but I have, I wanted to talk a little bit about like where psychotropic um, medicines come into this, this, development, right? Because when you're meditating or you're doing pranayama yoga or you're doing, you're, you're doing pranayama or you're doing breath work or whatever it might be, <clears throat> there are very, there are gradations. Like there are very measurable stepwise gradations or maybe not measurable, but you can notice them as you like elevate in a meditation. Like I can tell when I've shifted a little bit more and more each time. Um, when you take a psychedelic, like you are basically like cracking your brain open and then like rocketing up into these higher planes of consciousness. Right. You're using a molecule, using an exogenous molecule to create this experience for you. And there's less control over how high up you go. You just go as high up as, you know, the drug interacts with your brain chemistry. You're basically like, taking Rogaine and HGH rather than doing things to naturally build up your health and 
hormone level. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're just shooting up Rogaine and HGH, <laughs> becoming a hairy werewolf. Uh. So when, so I had an experience probably back in the, you know, I don't know, four or five years ago when I was 22 ish, 23, maybe 24. I don't know. But I, I 49. took one of these when I was 49, you know, I was a 40, Benjamin. I was an SF 49er. <laughs> I <clears throat> took psychedelics with my girlfriend at the time. And this was the second time I had ever done them, but it had been a long time since I had. And before, or as like the, you know, the, the medicines were ramping up, she kept going like, what do you want to experience? What do you want to know? Like she was trying to curate an experience for me. And I'm just thinking like, I just want to trip balls and like see cool shit, you know? Right. Like, I mean, I've, I've had one of these before and it was like very enlightening for me, but I didn't think much of it other than I'm going to have a very cool kind of internal experience for myself. <clears throat> I, I wasn't spiritual you know, her spirituality kind of like made me uncomfortable, but like I loved her. So I didn't really care too much. And as we're peeking into this, this trip, she just starts channeling. She's like, there are things that I wanted to figure out. So I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And she just starts channeling in front of me. I didn't even know what channeling was before this. I had never heard of it. Oh, ironic. And <laughs> she's sitting there in front of me and obviously like, you know, I have a pretty big third eye. So I'm like, I'm already pretty tapped in. And, you know, before we even got to this point, like I'm seeing, as her emotions change, I'm seeing her like face actually morph in front of me. Like uh, there was a moment where I saw like slices of her face as they existed throughout the years. So like on the left side, on the left side of her face, it was her as an old woman. And on the very right side of her face, it was her as like a baby. And like, I could see all these different gradations of her. So I was already like going really high up into these high planes where time, you know, time is all is non-local and kind of exists simultaneously at all these different strata. And so we're sitting on the sofa and she's channeling and all around me, you know, we're out in Yosemite and I think it's Yosemite. Yeah. It was, we're out in Yosemite and we're like in this, um, this Airbnb out there and we're sitting on the couch. And to me, we're like in the cosmos. Like this is kind of what I'm seeing in this, in this vision. And as these like cosmic winds blow through, they kind of blow away the physicality of the top half of the cabin. So it looks like the top half of the cabin is being blown away by these cosmic winds and we're floating out in space. And there's this moment where, you know, for the most part, I was kind of like anchoring us down and like holding onto her as she went out and channeled and, you know, kind of got all these crazy informations. And there was this moment where I kind of lost focus for a few minutes and I look off to the left and I start spacing out and the, the experience that I have, because it was more than a vision, like I'm feeling all of this in my body as it was happening. I'm like looking at this, wh what I can only describe of as a vortex of energy. It's kind of ineffable. If you could imagine in your mind, like two galaxies or two universes colliding with each other and the, the energetic backlash that that creates kind of like a vortex. Um, and I was like, it was almost like I was standing on the edge watching this happen. And I almost felt myself get like sucked into it. And as I was about to get kind of like sucked into it wholly and fully, I felt this consciousness kind of look at me and the, you know, the only way my brain could interpret it, you know, I'm, I'm sure this is not what this thing actually looked like, but the only way my brain could bring reference to it was to put it in this form. And it was this giant bipedal kind of humanoid looking being that had bronze skin and wore a cloak and it looked at me and with with complete neutrality and indifference but the weight of its consciousness was so heavy 
that it snapped me back into my body and like my whole body rocked and my heart rate must've been like 180 beats per minute. And I was like sweating and breathing heavily. And I looked up at my girlfriend at the time and just went like, I almost got lost out there. Right. And so the thing that I'm talking about kind of getting like your consciousness battered around in these higher realms, like at the time I didn't have my, my, not enough of my soul had kind of come down into the incarnation to hold my own in these higher planes. And I also didn't have one, the frame of reference for what the fuck I was even doing. Like I didn't even know I was like traversing different planes of consciousness at the time. And I also didn't have the focus to kind of keep it together when I was out there. And so just the mere, the mere act of one of those beings just noticing me shot me out of the, like shot me out of the experience entirely. And so I wanted to basically just kind of speak to that for a second, just because when we utilize these exogenous chemicals, these exogenous molecules, we're bypassing our bodies, our, our body and our, our inbuilt systems of protection for going up above these, these current levels that we're ready to engage with. I'm so glad you shared that story. There's so many little drops and awarenesses that I had during it. But one of the things I wanted to share is um, I actually thought about a Swami story, the guru that Zach and I both follow. Mm -hmm. And there's times where like, like this, he can fully awaken you. Like there's stories of him, like just tapping someone's forehead. I think there's a story of him, like throwing a sandal at someone's forehead and them just getting into like full enlightenment, but it doesn't stay. Like, cause it's so much like the person just hits this moment of like, Whoa, and then out. And mm -hmm. because they, they just aren't at the capacity to be able to hold that. And that's what that reminded me of. Like there's, cause there's so much energy that this light being or that this individual is able to move and direct to you, but you can't handle that. So, you know, if we, I was thinking actually about psychedelics, cause what we're saying is it's a tool to really remove some of those barriers and layers to allow you to really rock it off into mm -hmm. higher consciousness. And oftentimes that can be at a place where we're not quite ready for. And I think there's two layers of this. There's like, you had that experience yourself, Zach, because you mm -hmm. were at a capacity where you could actually handle that as well. Mm -hmm. Like there, there's Yeah. My guys where, wouldn't have let me drift yeah, off that quite that far. Exactly. Yeah. But then there's also times where people are going at a, two places where they're not ready for. Yeah. And that's where you get people going and doing ayahuasca and then just basically dropping into psychosis for the rest of their lives. And mm -hmm. they, they, it was beyond the capacity that they were ready for. And they were just pushing a bit too much. Mm -hmm. So there's a fine, and this, this is going to be purely intuitive, but there's a fine line that we dance and, and it's just the importance of being very, very intentional. There's like, there's so much that I want to talk about. This is, I mean, as you know, like I, I, I research, you know, I read the papers right. and I write, and I write papers on, on psychedelics and stuff like that. So it's something that I'm very fond of, um, but I recognize the dangers of these things. And so one of the things that I wanted to start with before we get into that a little bit is what you're talking about with Swami, like throwing the sandal and awakening somebody, right? That's right. Guru's grace. But one of the things that I, that I tried to highlight and I didn't, you did a better job of is there are multiple ways to break through these levels, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are the, you know, the very metered out like breath work, yoga, meditation, mm -hmm. like the reliable, the reliable and sustainable 
ways of doing it where you build the strong you're foundation. working with your body to be able to unlock that your body yeah. and your consciousness like you're yeah. training yourself to exist at that level right um but like the but a guru or a, a met like a psychedelic medicine you know like a plant teacher can take you to these levels of consciousness briefly and show you where you're going where you're headed they can show you that there's something more outside of your body they can help you um so they can help you open your chakras and download this energy they can help you see old memories be they the repressed memories of this life or the memories of a past life and integrate those types of things right so all of the their ways of expanding beyond the current level of consciousness that you have to a very very high one but you always come back down right that's the thing about drugs you always come back down that's the thing about having a guru hold your hand and take you there you always come back down and a guru knows that that's the case and gives you their grace in order to see those aspects of yourself, to feel those things. But it's on you to, to reach your own enlightenment, right? Like at the end of the day, it's these on the things, integration piece after that, there's an integration piece. And there's also like a psychedelics aren't going to get you enlightened, right? They're going to just gonna open you, you up. They're going to open you up. They're going to show you information and you can, I mean, you can use them repeatedly. Like you can use them twice a year or three times a year, once a year, once every five years, it doesn't really matter. You can use them or it does matter, but like for what I'm saying, like <laughs> it does matter a lot actually, but you can use them um, to, to reflect and get insight, to gain a greater sense of insight, to open yourself up more. But ultimately at the end of the day, the most reliable thing is to do the work and to get yourself there and to develop your own consciousness and awareness, right? And we were talking a little bit about you know, people who were like going out and doing ayahuasca and then coming back and having like psychotic breaks and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And we're doing a lot of research on this kind of stuff right now, as much as we can, you know, that's, that's ethical with, with psychedelics these days, there's so much that goes into that, right? Like there are some folks who do not heed the warning of a shaman or do not heed the warning of the plant. And they try and push and push and push and push beyond where their where their consciousness is ready to go or they'll like i said continue to do psychedelics and never integrate like you had alluded to like they don't do a psychedelic and then take the information that they learned and spend months like trying to bring those things into actionable steps in their lives and they'll just keep doing them and destabilizing and going farther farther out into the clouds and leaving their life behind um or some people just genetically are predisposed to highly serotonergic diseases or, you know, illnesses like, um, or highly dopaminergic illnesses, I should say, like schizophrenia, where these very high levels of like serotonin and dopamine are active in the brain and they're causing psychotic episodes, right? You take something that is an analog of serotonin and it shoots you off into a psychotic episode that you might not come back from, right? So as as amazing as these medicines are they're not panacea and they're not you know they should be used with great respect and great um great forethought before they're used and you know a lot of caution and proper setting and stuff like that but they can be useful asterisk they can be useful for kind of seeing where you're going right like using google maps <laughs> I'm curious what you think about this because when you, you've been talking about this, I'm kind of seeing it in a certain way. And it's like we're talking about, it's building your capacity until you can transition to the next level. 
And what I'm seeing it is as the bridge in that transition. So as you build that capacity and there's kind of a level of time sometimes where we get stuck Mm -hmm. and we kind of just can't reach that next point. Then like, that's the ideal time for this. Does that resonate for you? Um, Yeah. You know, I used to, I used to use psychedelics um, as okay. Like I'm, I'm ready to turn over a new leaf in my life. Right. Cause that's kind of what the first time I did it, I was 18 and I had just, you know, I had been out of high school for like six months or whatever. And I did it. And the reflections that I had gotten really like sent me on a new path. They changed me fundamentally. You know, they opened up these new, these new sides of myself that I hadn't been willing to look at. And then, you know, I did it again, six years later, five years later, and I had that experience. And there was an irrefutable um, existence outside of me that I couldn't, that I could never, I could never unsee. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I can never unsee or unhave that experience. And so at that point I was like, okay, I'm only going to, I have to have great reverence for these things and treat them like, like ritualistic or like medicine. You know, I'm fortunate to have had that insight at that age. And so I used them sparingly um, when I wanted to have time to sit there and integrate the experiences that I had had and break through. That being said, you know, I don't plan to do them my whole life, right? Like I don't, I don't want to be dependent on them because part of what you're doing when you take these things is like this, this was another, this ties into another awareness I had the same night when I had done the psychedelics that second time, I had gotten the intuition that like, okay, you know, our brains aren't what hold our consciousness. Our brains are radios. Our brains are tuning forks. And what you do is you tune into different frequencies. And those are like the different levels of consciousness that you can kind of tune into. And I kind of developed that theory from like watching my girlfriend channel. And like, you know, I would like see her like look up and I could like see her like tuning a channel and like finding a new being to talk to. It was insane. Um, And so I kind of, I kind of developed that understanding. And when you take these medicines, you know, you're basically highly stimulating what's called the 5-HT2A receptor and many different other, it's basically 5-HT is serotonin. So you're stimulating a group of basically all the serotonin receptors in your brain, but very specifically the 2A subtype of the serotonin receptor. And you're cracking open your brain as a radio, right? So you're take you're peeling back the filter that would be like, okay, I'm on station 107.1 and you, okay, now I'm open to like a thousand different stations. And part of that is that like your consciousness can very easily fully leave your body. Not that you'll die, right? Like your body goes into autopilot, but like your consciousness is in- incredibly non-local in those states. And that's another reason that these things are unsustainable and it's not the end goal, right? Like the end goal of incarnation as a human being and elevating to these, to these higher levels of incarnation is not to leave the body. It's to integrate the body and um, not bring it with you per se, but to, but to in some ways like master being in all of these different planes at one time. So the goal isn't to like meditate to the point where you're just like, you know, you're sitting at work and you close your eyes for, for a yawn. And like, as soon as you close your eyes, you're like fucking blasted off into an astral realm or whatever. That's not the point. And, but that's what these medicines do. Right. And they're, they're useful for getting you acquainted to those higher realms. Ultimately through meditation, through yoga, through breath work, whatever your practice might be, 
the goal is to be fully in your body, fully in the life that you live, but also aware and conscious of all the these other planes that your soul already exists in. And to be able at any moment to be like, okay, like I'm sitting here, I'm talking to Neil, I'm in my body, I can feel my feet on the ground, I can feel my arms crossed across my chest. But also like let me tap in real quick and be like, oh Neil, um, you know, one of your guides is saying this to you, or like, oh, I'm getting this image of your past life. Like this is why the right side of your right foot hurts, you know, that kind of thing. Um so yeah, it's it's about integration, and that can only happen through dedication, through willpower, and through work. So, on the practicality lens, if we were to go into those words more, what does that mean for people? If we're talking about willpower, discipline, and the work, I mean, it's different for everybody. But like, it, it's it's being able to focus. It's deep focus is really what mm-hmm. it is. Like, and you, obviously, you don't need to be focused all the time, right? Like, you're not you're not supposed to be a robot, right? Like, and your brain is not the human brain's not built for that either. But when you're doing a task, like a good place to start is to just be fully immersed in it, fully focused on it. Um, it, It's, how do I put it? It, it? it trains the brain in many ways. Like if you were sitting there and you're focusing on something really hard to the point where like you're getting a little weary, you're getting a little tired, or it's like almost hard for your brain to integrate. What is happening is your brain is releasing dopamine and it is telling it's telling your brain and it's telling these circuits like, okay, we're, this is clearly something that we're investing a lot of energy in. We need to get better at it. So this deep focus is, and, and running up against these walls or these ceilings is like the way to elevate your potentiality as a human being, whether that's like a con- like a consciousness type of thing or an athletics thing or whatever it might be. But, but we need to bring presence. That's really what this is. It's presence. And it's learning how to do that. Glad you said that. Presence is exactly the word I was feeling for this too. It's just being fully present in the moment and intentional, whatever it is you're doing. One of the things I wanted to just raise for everyone listening to is this episode, the things we're talking about, this is a, it can feel very masculine, but it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you One of the up. things I say to a lot of the women I work with is use your masculine to open up your feminine so you can be committed to a practice and then that practice itself can be very feminine for me with my process it's it's a balance of discipline and flow right now and i've been in so much flow which is why i'm stepping into this level of discipline and it's it's to balance things out in the past, I would have gone all into the masculine and all into the discipline and just totally lost the flow. And that's where I get burnt out. So I'm committed to these things and I'm doing them no matter what, but how I approach them is through flow. Like I'm going to do them, but then I'm also doing them when it feels right for me through the day. Like I know Mm -hmm. I'm going to, and there's a level of freedom that comes from that. You have the ability to flow and honor these the other side of it to honor spirit as well as you are doing these masculine, I don't even want to say masculine for it, but as as much as you're creating this committed devotional practice to whatever it is that you're doing. So for me, right, I am, I'm doing it a bit more masculine, I will say, but I am very intentional in also making sure I'm doing things that are more flowy, making sure I am doing my creative expression, writing poetry, painting, all Mm -hmm. these other things 
And what I'm finding is I have more room in my life for that flowy side by creating this discipline and commitment to myself and these other yeah. areas. Absolutely. So. <clears throat> Absolutely. And one of the things we talked about, I think in an earlier episode is how the masculine creates containers. And I'm glad you brought that up, right? Like, you know, one of the, I'll, I'll share the way that I do it. You know, I obviously have a very, um, like my career is very masculine, right? It's just something where it's like, you got, you got to work, you got to grind, you got to keep going. We're working 68 hours a week, like, you know, 80 hours a week in the hospital. And then you got to spend your time, you know, writing your notes and doing your research outside of the hospital, you know, you grind, grind, grind. And it can be really hard to flow with that. So, you know, for me, when I have, uh, when I have time or I'll make time is what I'm saying at the end of a night, a few nights a week, I may always make time for my meditation, but like once or twice a week, I'll be like, okay, I'm setting aside an extra hour at the end of the night to do whatever I want, <clears throat> be it reading like a spiritual book that I really want to read or like to, um, spend some time journaling or like tapping in and trying to like pull down higher wisdom and like doing that kind of stuff, or even just like watching TV, like whatever it might be, like it could right. be anything. Um, but what I'm doing is I'm using my masculine to make a container to set aside an hour where I'm like, I've already made the decision. I'm not going to study during that hour, like nothing and nothing's going to stop that. And I can do whatever I want. So I'm basically holding a container where I can flow. And, uh, it's, it's just like, we're talking about like integrating the body and the higher planes. It's integrating the masculine and the feminine. Like this whole thing is about balance, right? Integrating yourself. Integrating. <laughs> Ultimately, whatever it is that these other sides that have come to life have been. And I think that's what we're moving into right now. It is, right? As much as it's a elevation in consciousness in the whole world, shift mm -hmm. from 3D to 5D, all these things, there is a balancing integration of that as well. So it might not actually look like what you think of 3D to 5D means. Now we're going up and up and up. No, mm -hmm. we're moving into greater balance as a whole. So mm -hmm. uh, just to speak really briefly to that last thing, because I think mm -hmm. it ties into well with everything else. You talked about going up and up and up like 3D to 5D and all that kind of stuff. When we elevate in consciousness, when we break through a belief system, when we transcend a belief system, uh, whatever this might be, we don't leave those things behind. And what I mean by that is like higher levels of consciousness are inclusive of lower levels of consciousness. Like you don't, you don't suddenly develop compassion and then just go like, I don't understand why people do drugs. Like I meditate. I don't understand why people do drugs. Like you're like, no, like I meditate and I have a great deal of compassion for people who suffer yeah. and I suffered as well. And that's what led me to this path. And by the fucking grace of whatever out there, I found this and got off drugs or, you know, didn't end up going to drugs, but like, I can see why people do them. Or like, I can see why people get angry and yell at each other. I can see why people, fight. I can see why people do violence. Like I understand these things. They're at a lower level of consciousness and I don't want to do them. I can access them if I need to, but I'm not just like all of a sudden, like, Oh, I live on a cloud and these things don't exist. <laughs> like it's not, that's not the case at all. Like you don't go to 5d and then leave behind everything Earth. you learned in 3d. Yeah. You don't, yeah. you don't hop up to these like high levels of consciousness and be like, fuck a body. Like I don't need this shit. <laughs> or like, 
um, or, or, or whatever. Like I don't, I don't need to have a job or I don't need to make money or whatever. I mean, you can live a life where you, you know, live in a commune and do that kind of stuff. That's an option. But like for most of us, we don't do that. We have to find a way to balance like owning a business or working or integrating this, this, you know, physical life into those practices. Yeah. The, one of the things that I think is a good way to summarize that is like we 3d to 5d is as much as we're shifting our energetic selves and our consciousness, Mm -hmm. it's not quite rate, like lifting, raising, going higher in that sense, but more so what I'm feeling is it's just, it's a greater level of balancing. It, I mean, the part of the problem with like the way that we use like higher vibration is like, we, we think of it like ascending horizontal strata when in fact, like it's a giant sphere and like the third dimension of the sphere is like the third strata of like, if you like look at those old, those, those drawings of like the core of the earth and like the different Mm -hmm. strata of the earth that go out to the surface, like where we're at in 3d right now is like here. And then as you elevate in consciousness and you go outward, like you are going up, so to speak from the vantage point that you're at right now, where you're like a tangential line on this, like, you know, on this circle. But as you go up that dimension subsumes the one below it. Like it wraps around Mm -hmm. it. So you're not going up and leaving it behind. You're going up and you're including it. Like it's just a bigger circle that you're in now. Um, And and the whole thing, I think a great way to kind of say this in this, you, you inspired me with this, Neil is basically just to say like, what's the point of raising your, what's the point of raising your consciousness if you're not going to share it with other people, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You don't, you don't lift in consciousness and leave people behind. You're supposed to be the door. You're supposed to hold the door open. I love that. And I love questions. You know that. So, (laughs) (laughs) all right, brother, any last bits from you? No, man, I talked my ass off. I think that was a perfect way to end this with a beautiful question for you all, for all you beautiful people. (laughs) So, all right, everybody. Thank you for being with us. We all love you. I love you. Zach loves you. Zach, you have any extra, extra love you want to share with them? No, I just love them. Oh, we just love you. All right. All right, everybody. Well, move on in your love and we'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.